0: You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. I hope you guys are doing well today if you're watching online. Good morning to you. My name is Adam. For those that don't know me, I normally lead worship here, but I'm filling in for Pastor Marco today, and he asked me to kick off our series called Rhythms of Rest. I got to be honest with you. When I was asked to kick off this series, I felt like I was a kid being gently taken to the edge of the pool and, and... Pushed in saying, you know, anybody ever been there? Their dad was like, hey, you're going to learn everything you need to know about swimming by jumping in. Now, that wasn't Pastor Marco. I mean, he always sets me up for success, but that was my own self because I'm like, I don't know anything about resting. I mean, I know how to take a nap, I know how to put a hammock up and read a book. I know how to lay on the couch for hours watching Netflix. I know how to eat a box of donuts. But that is not true rest. That's not true rest. Those are things that we do that we can participate in to rest. But we're going to see that God actually guides us towards a rhythm of rest. And here's the thing. In Michigan, I think we naturally begin to gravitate towards vacation season in the summer. How many of you go up north? Go up north. By the way, we're the only state in the union that says that. You know, I used to live in Texas, and you'd say, when I was a kid, I went up north. And they'd be like, what is that? I mean, that's so foreign to people outside of Michigan. But we know how to, we know how to go on vacation. We know how to uh, get away for the season. We're about to enter into that. Uh, season for a lot of people. And so as we got talking about where we wanted to take our church into summer, we got thinking about what does God say about rest? What does he say about rest? Because I think that sometimes we feel like we're resting, but it can very much be like a worldly form of rest. And I think a lot of it has to do with The idea that many times, I think that in our culture, we live in this hustle and bustle world, right? It seems like when we try to rest, it's almost like we're trying to paddle upstream because our culture has ingrained in us that we got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. And so this hustle culture is permeated in us. You know, Recently, I became a coach slash dad. You know what I'm talking about? your kids join a sports team, and you're not really an official coach, but you're like kind of a sideline coach, you know? My son just started playing soccer. They don't really play. They just kind of kick the ball around, and they just run around for a few hours. But something happened to me when we pulled into the the parking lot. All of a sudden, I just got this weird instinct. Like, I just put the car in park, and I, I got out, and I said, come on, hustle, let's go get out of the car, come on, let's go. There's something about it, I don't know, there's something about us, it's ingrained in us to be busy, to hustle, to move. And so one of the things that we see when we open scriptures is that God is often the opposite. He's often the opposite. Be still and know that I'm God. Troy's gonna talk on that next week. God requires patience, Stillness, slowness, and sometimes our world and the ways that we live are in opposition to that. Sometimes the ways of the world lead us towards a restlessness and the ways of God lead us to restfulness. Sometimes the ways of the world lead us to restlessness and God's way leads us to restfulness, and we're gonna see how that is today. We're gonna see that God actually commands rest out of us. Would you bow with me and let's pray before we go any further? Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for just the the ways that you guide us, the ways that you make our path straight, because you know that as humans, we often are led astray, we're often like a like an automobile that goes off the road if you take your hands off the wheel we are prone to wander and so father god lead us back to ways that are yours we pray that we have the holy spirit's help today in jesus name amen well where did the hustle culture really get started in america um it's interesting because we are we seem to be the busiest people that I've ever lived, right? Now, I teach world history. That's what I do during the week. And one of the things that you find interesting is that throughout history, people spent their entire days working. They had to gather food. In fact, hunter-gatherer societies would gather food. They'd hunt. And then eventually, we began to settle down into a civilization. And people began to farm. But most of the people spent their days working to find and gather and cultivate their food crops. With the Industrial Revolution, things began to change. In fact, in the early 1900s, Henry Ford revolutionized the way that manufacturing was done. He innovated the assembly line, and he took thousands of laborers, and he trained them to do one task, turn a wrench, turn a wrench, turn a wrench hundreds of times a day, thousands of times a day. And what this did is it began to change the way that people lived, especially in this country, because prior to that, a lot of people found purpose and meaning in their work. They were connected to the land that they farmed. They were connected to the shops that they tended to. Now, Henry Ford changed that. He, he said, you're going to be in a factory, and it's not going to be about purpose, it's going to be about productivity. It's not gonna be about purpose, it's gonna be about productivity. Well, guess what happened? They went out and hired, or tried to hire, thousands and thousands of workers. The turnover rate was super high. In fact, for every thousand workers, I heard some statistic that almost a third of them would, would quit before they, you know, before they even got into like a week on the job. Now, why is that? Because the work was meaningless. And it wasn't about purpose. It was about productivity. But Henry Ford, being the genius that he was, guess how he solved the problem? Money. He paid them more. He paid them $5 an hour wage. Doesn't sound like a lot to us, but in that time period, it's actually $25 an hour. That's a good working wage. It's one of the best in that time period well guess what people stopped quitting because they said to themselves it doesn't matter if i have meaning or purpose as long as i'm compensated for it they began to exchange their purpose and meaning for cash and so this sets in motion this hustle culture more 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 my life it doesn't matter if my life really has meaning or purpose, as long as I can have more, more money. It's interesting because as time goes on, we get to the middle of the, 19, or the 1900s, about the mid 1950s, and a government think tank gets together, a bunch of smart people, and they start to talk about what is the American worker going to be like in the 21st century, which is what we're living in today. And this is what they predicted. By the year 20, or by the year 2000, they predicted that the average American worker would only work 20 hours a week. Isn't that great? Because they predicted that everything would be so automated. We would have robots waiting our tables. We'd have all kinds, it'd be like the Jetsons. You know, it'd be like this, automated society, and so what they figured is that we would have all this free time. We'd have more free time than ever before. (laughs) Weren't they wrong? Man, were they wrong. In fact, the anomaly exists. There's this anomaly, which is an anomaly is something that deviates from what is expected. And this anomaly exists because even though we have the most convenience in our culture, we're actually the busiest people. We look up to people like Elon Musk, who champions the 80-hour work week. Jeff Bezos, the wealthiest man in the world. He shared a recent letter with his stockholders in which he prized productivity productivity, get it done. So, this hustle culture is where we find ourselves. In a culture that is supposed to have all this freedom is burdened by busyness. It's actually burdened by busyness. This hustle culture has led us to a life of restlessness and burnout. We're restless. Even some of you right now, you're thinking about what I'm gonna do after church. We've, we've forgotten what it means to slow down. Why? Because we live in such a fast culture. Honestly, if you wanted to be in California today, you could go and get on a plane and be there today. We live in an instant society. We've forgotten how to slow down. But here's what we find when we lean into scripture. We find a God who knows a lot about speed. In fact, he created the universe in six days. You think you could beat that? I don't think so. It says that he created the universe in six days, but guess what he does on the seventh day? He rests. He rests, check this out. Genesis 2.2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he'd been doing. See, God values work. It's not that work is the enemy. It says right here in Genesis 2, God worked. Listen to what Jesus says in John 5, 16 through 17. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. There's the word work again. Work is not the enemy. God values work. And I'm convinced that work is not the problem in and of itself. It's the idolatry of work and the idolatry of hustle that has led us to a soul-crushing path of restlessness. And here's what that restlessness has caused. It has taken our slowness and our rhythm away from our walk with God. It has begun to steal the intimacy and communion with the Father because we're busy. Now, here's the cool part. Because God is a good dad, this is what he does in Psalm 23. Let's look. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. How many of you make your kids, if you have kids, go to bed? We say it all the time go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. You know, He's a good father. He makes you lie down. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, if this is true that God actually makes us lie down and he requires us to walk and rest, then let's unpack why. Why does God make us rest and how? Check this out. Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Let's look at that again. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The word holy means set apart. Say set apart. Holy means set apart. Say it again, set apart. He set a seventh day apart for rest. He made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. See, God values work. He worked for six days, but he wrapped it up by resting. In fact, this culmination of rest symbolizes the culmination of even our lives, that if we are believers in Christ, we enter into what? God's rest at the end of this life. God's eternal rest is in heaven. Our destination is that perfect communion and peace with him for all of eternity. And this is the culmination of Christ's promise for us in his salvation. You see, the idea of rest, the idea of the seventh day rest is an example for us for what we'll do in eternity. It's a capstone on the work week. It's a capstone of this life and the rest that we will now enter into. The rest of God is the goal with which the whole creation is designed to reach. And the guide to this goal is the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. Now, there's a word that I haven't used yet this morning. I just said the word Sabbath. We're going to unpack what that means and why we use the word Sabbath. But as we lean into a little bit more about God, we can almost imagine that God is, like, writing a song. Let's say God is writing a song, and there's a certain rhythm to it, and we're trying to listen to it, and we're trying to get the beat of it. Now, how many of you are, you can be honest, how many of you are not good dancers? That's amazing. You know, first service I asked, how many of you are good dancers? I think we had two people. You can tell by how tall and lanky I am, I'm not a good dancer. I get out there, I'm like trying to figure out how to do it, and, which is weird because I, I play drums, guitar, sing, but I can't seem to like get into the rhythm of dance, I bet Pastor Mark was a good dancer. We'll have to ask him next week. But there's something about it, I hear the melody, I understand it. I could tell you how that song was written. I could tell you the key. I don't even have to look at the chord charts. I don't have to look at anything. My brain can just figure it out. I have the, a natural gift for music, but yet I can't dance. Isn't that weird? I think sometimes that is how we are. God's song, his rhythm is slowness, patience. The song is like a slow melody. It's like a slow dance, and here we are, we're out there, we're just like, you know, trying to, we're trying to do our own thing. I know, my shirt is too short today. We just can't seem to get into this. We can't seem to get into his rhythm. But here's what, here's what we find when we really lean into God, when we listen, We find this, that rest is a part of God's rhythm. Rest is a part of God's rhythm. We find that God values rest and he makes us do it. He he lies us down. Now here's the thing. What's interesting about human societies is that, and I've studied this with my students, that since the beginning of recorded history, most civilizations have gone off of a seven-day week. Did you know that? Even societies that were pagan, societies that had nothing to do with God, went off of a seven-day rhythm cycle. Because there's something about the seven-day work week that seems to work. That cycle of seven is inherently written on our hearts. In fact, when, when people have tried to change this throughout history, for example, the French Revolution, they tried to actually change the work week. They tried to institute a 10-day weekly cycle. You want to know what happened? Anxiety, depression, suicide went through the roof. Because there's something about it that doesn't work. It doesn't work for the human heart. We were designed for a seven-day cycle. We were designed for rest, rest. And when we lean into God, we lean into his song, we listen in, we find that God values rest. I love what, um, there's a theologian and philosopher, his name's Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard says this about Jesus and rest. He says, if there's one word that I can think of to describe Jesus, it would be relaxed. I mean, think about that. We don't sing songs up here that talk about Jesus being relaxed, do we? We talk about his power, his might. I'm going to see a victory in the mighty name of Jesus. And us as Americans, we're like, yeah, busy, accomplishment, conquer, conquer. Dallas Willard says, one word I can think of to describe Jesus, and here's a guy who studied Jesus literally for decades. From the front of the Bible to the back is relaxed, relaxed. Because Jesus is a picture of the Father, isn't he? He's a perfect image of his Father. And Jesus shows us how to dance in that rhythm of rest. Now, a few minutes ago, I used a word that we often see in the Bible that correlates what we think of when we think of, like, the Scriptures and rest, and that's the word Sabbath. Would you say Sabbath with me? Sabbath. Exodus 20, 8 through 11, this is the first time we see the word Sabbath. Interestingly enough, we don't see the word Sabbath used at creation. It's not in there. It's not in Genesis. It doesn't say on the seventh day God took a Sabbath. It just doesn't. This is where we see it. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For six days, for in six days the Lord's made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now When we see sabbath what we see is it's actually given to moses in the form of the commandments it's actually the fourth commandment commandments one through three give us guidelines on how to worship god commandment four gives us the time to set aside to worship god that's what the sabbath does now this sabbath to the israelites was very strict it was a binding agreement that the followers of God were to follow, to adhere to now what is the sabbath the sabbath that act, that word actually means shabbat if you translate it it means stop okay can you say shabbat say stop it means to stop to cease and see, the, the, if the Israelites broke this law, they could be punished by death. It was very, very strict. Because this was a symbol of God binding together with his people. It was a covenant agreement. And it symbolized two things. Number one, that God himself rested on the seventh day. And then number two, Because Israel was delivered out of the hands of the Egyptians, they were now a people set apart. They were now a people set apart. And so they were to adhere to this. Observing the Sabbath was a binding agreement of the covenant between God and man, between his faithfulness and their obedience. His faithfulness and their obedience. And it was a way for Israel to show their trust that if they obeyed God's commands to do all of their work in six days, and then finally take a day of rest and not do anything, that God would actually show his faithfulness by providing on the seventh day. He would provide physical needs, he would provide rest. I love what one biblical commentator, his name's Bob Deffenbaugh, and he comments on the Sabbath, in its relationship to Israel. This is what he says. Keeping God's commandments reveals God to men in a different way. When we keep God's commandments, it often creates, catch this, situations in which God is able to manifest his power and provision for his people in a magnificent way. You put yourself in a situation in which God has to show up. See, back in Israelite times, here, here's, here's the truth. If they didn't gather enough food on the day before the Sabbath, they, could, they were at risk of going without food. So they had to rely on God's provision on the Sabbath. Now, why don't we do this? We, sometimes we find it hard to walk in this spiritual habit. But it kind of boils down to this question, do we we trust ourselves to rest or do we trust God's plan for our life? Do we trust ourselves to rest or do we trust God's plan for our life? Now, At this point, you're probably saying, okay, I understand what rest is. God values it. Yep, I get it. The Sabbath, it's a fourth commandment. I understand that. But what does it look like to us? How do we practice the idea of Shabbat in our lives? Well, I'll tell you how. It takes one word. Ready? Intentionality. It takes intentionality. Let me define what the word intentional means. It means this, I'm gonna share synonyms with you. Deliberate, calculated, intended, planned, meant, considered, studied, knowing, willful, purposeful, purpose, premeditated, preplanned, thought out in advance, prearranged, preconceived, predetermined, voluntary. Let me give you the opposite of intentional. These would be the antonyms for you ELA people. The opposite of intentional is this, ready? Unintentional. (laughs) This is how I teach my classes, by the way. (laughs) I love this. The dictionary actually just like threw this at me when I looked this up. Another antonym, that they put in there for the opposite of intentional is accidental. You know what I love about that? Is we, in America, we are well-intentioned people, but we're not very intentional. We are well-intentioned people, but we're not very intentional. You understand the difference? We want to do things, but then we feel like it's some sort of, like, weird accident that something, like, it made us do it. Like, you never hear people saying, like, hey, I accidentally went for a run this week. You never hear people say, I don't know what happened, but my car just kidnapped me and, like, drove itself to the gym, and I got out, and I lifted weights for two hours. It was all a big accident, You never go to your boss and say, hey, I accidentally did a 10-page report and I got it in ahead of time. It doesn't happen. It's because of intentionality. It takes intentionality to do it. Now, again, the word Sabbath in Hebrew, it's actually translated, I said this before, but let me say it again, it's translated as Shabbat. That should be easy enough to remember, right? You're yelling at your kids, Shabbat! It means stop. That word literally means stop. Another way to translate it, the Greek word sabaton means cessation from exertion. I love that. It literally means to stop moving, don't go anywhere, sit down, stop. The truth is, is that you and myself included, we don't do this very well. We know how to be busy. Yesterday I was outside. I like mowed the lawn, I stained the porch, I like did all these things. I was like my wife's greatest hero. I felt awesome. And at the end of the day, I had this thought when I was wrapping it up I thought, man, I sure know how to be busy. But I don't know how to rest. I don't know how to stop. And the thing is, we make it into something that's so complicated, don't we? We're like, well, okay, well, I have to, you know, I got to figure this out. I got to, like, I got to, like, you know, get a quiet place. And I got to get, like, a prayer journal. And I got to get, like, you know, all this stuff. I got to get a Bible app. I got to get a new iPhone. I got to do all this stuff. And those things are good, and they can be helpful. But the biggest thing that we're often missing is... Shabbat. Stop. That's what you're missing. We don't know how to stop. We know how to achieve. And as Americans, we want to achieve. We want to set goals. I'm going to read the Bible every day this week. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to share Christ every day. But we don't know how to stop. And the Sabbath simply means to stop. So when we talk about the Sabbath, let's look at how that can practically look for a New Testament believer. Now, before we get there to some practicals, and I'm gonna get, give you some practical things that you can do to practice the habit of Shabbat. We have to talk about some misconceptions of the Sabbath because I think sometimes uh, when we hear the word Sabbath, sometimes we get this image in our mind of legalism, right? Let me explain what I mean. Did you know at one time in the United States, there were laws called the blue laws? Now, if you were my students, I would say, does anybody know what the blue laws are? The blue laws actually were laws that prohibited business transactions on Sunday. So let me give you an example. I used to live in Texas. You cannot buy a six-pack of beer on Sunday after church because of the blue laws. After church, who wants to go to Chick-fil-A? That's a trick question. It's not open. Now, that's by their choice, but that's an example of a blue law. No business transactions on a Sunday, okay? So sometimes we get this image in our mind like, uh, and some of us may have grown up with some of, this, some of these legalistic tendencies, spend all day at church on Sunday, literally from sun up to sun down, no dancing, no sugar, no coffee, stay in the house, keep quiet, draw the shades, no laughing. And these were cited on the grounds of the fourth commandment, that God was very strict with the Sabbath. Now, the truth is, is traditionally God was strict with the Israelites in the Sabbath. That is true. But how many of you know that in Christ there is freedom? There is freedom. And we're going to get to that. The other, on the opposite end of strict legalism, here's what we have. Sunday fun day. Sunday fun day. Now, hear me. I think that the Sabbath should and can include delight and joy and time with family and friends. However, what Sunday Funday is, is it's an excuse to do everything, to pleasure stack, to medicate on everything I possibly can the day before my next work day and literally leave God entirely out of the equation. Don't hear me. I'm not saying that delightful things and having fun on Sunday is a bad thing. But sometimes I think we can overindulge, and I think that's what Sunday fun day can be. Now, I do believe that you can strike a balance in the middle, that you can walk in the freedom that Christ gives us to, de- to find delight and joy and communion with God, but you can also do it intentionally by observing it. So how can we practice this habit of stopping? I love what uh, Dallas Willard says again about the idea of Sabbath. He's commenting on Sabbath and what it means in the spiritual life. He says this, hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life in this day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. From your life. I love that language. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. So let's think about our own spiritual health for a second. How are you? Do you feel that, that edginess of restlessness? Do you feel that in your soul? You know, a couple months ago, I had to go to the doctor for a yearly physical, and usually these things are very quick and you know they hit the knees, and they do all that stuff. But she wanted to do blood tests. So she took some blood work, and a day later, they called me back and said, you have higher cholesterol. What? How could I have high cholesterol? I don't feel like I have high cholesterol. I feel great. But here's the thing, she said. my doctor gave me an honest look and said, look, look at your numbers. You have high cholesterol. I'm telling you this. And if you don't do something about it, it could lead to consequences. So I had to make a change. I had to get intentional. I think sometimes busyness is like that. Busyness is kind of like the cholesterol in our soul. It's kind of like we don't realize it. We don't realize that we have it until maybe someone that loves us, is honest with us, busy all the time. You seem edgy, you, you're restless. So we gotta get serious about it. Now, here's the thing. The Sabbath can seem like something that is unobtainable and burdensome. But here is the beauty and the truth behind it. Jesus says this in Mark two twenty-seven. He says to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Because what the Pharisees were trying to do is they were trying to make it so burdensome on the people of Israel that there is no way that they could follow it. And in fact, what happened was is that the Pharisees were actually teaching people to serve the Sabbath instead of the Sabbath actually being a beautiful gift in a design that God has given to mankind to rest in communion with Him. So, when we think about how to actually institute this practice of Sabbath, I want to go back to the intentionality piece for the last part of this message. I think in order for this to work, you need to define three things and i i call this the 3 r's okay the first thing is you need to identify a reason why do i need to change something in my life the second thing the second r is you need a recorded plan let me pause for a moment there doc says you have high cholesterol You got to do something about it. I said, I'm going to become a runner. I'm going to run. I'm going to run, and that's, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get in shape. I get out there, first half mile, this is great. I feel great. I feel, oh, I I feel great. I feel, uh, uh, this sucks. (laughs) I hate running. I hate running because every second that I'm running, I'm thinking about when am I going to be done? But I tell you what you can do. Did you know that if you have boundaries and you have clear expectations that you can actually do things that are hard? It's called developing habits. And so what did I do? I got intentional. I got a recorded plan. I downloaded Couch to 5K. And now I put these little headphones in and this this woman tells me when to start running, when to stop. And I love it. I love it because what it does is it gives me this boundary and it gives me these parameters that I can stay on. And then finally, what it gets me to is the third R, it gives me a reward. Because when that woman says, ah, cool down, guess what? I finished, that's the reward, that's the reward. So in order to make this intentional, you need a reason to do it, you need a recorded plan, you need a plan, and you need a reward. You need, so let's translate this now into getting into this habit of observing a a Sabbath or a rest. So let's start with some questions. Let's do an honest check. I'm your doc today, you're in my office, let me ask you some questions, ready? Number one, do you often feel tired? And not just tired, but a constant sense of restlessness? Number two, do you view rest in a relationship with God as burdensome and something that you'll never attain? There's no way. I have no time for it. I don't have time for it. Adam, I hear what you're saying, but I don't have any time. I have small kids. I, I have no time. Number three, do you feel like resting has not been an intentional part of your life? In other words, you know how to be busy, but you don't know how to rest. And then number four, do you want to be set free from the burdens of hustle and hurry? Do you want to be set free from the burdens of hustle and hurry? Because here's the thing about hustle and hurry. Let's think about what I said at the beginning of the message. That is not the tune and rhythm of the song that God wants us to dance in. It's us trying to dance all out of whack and out of rhythm. After a while, it feels a little bit awkward and weird, right? You feel awkward right now because I'm trying to do some move up here. Find a reason Something has to change. And what better time to try to do this than summer, right? Now, let's establish a recorded plan. You have to have a plan. Now, understand this. God values work. I don't want you to quit your job, okay? I'm not saying that. God himself worked for six days before resting, But sometimes you need to get a plan. You need to talk about it. You need to talk about what does my life look like right now? How am I going to accomplish my work throughout the week, my job, parenting, housework, bills, groceries? How am I going to cultivate a time of Sabbath or rest? Now, the point of the Sabbath is to simply stop. So how can I cultivate a time where I'm literally just allowing myself to cease from my work? Okay? Now, let's talk about a time frame. I love this author. His name is John Mark Comer. And he is an author and pastor out of Portland, Oregon. He's got an excellent podcast on this topic. And he gives us some practical ways to practice the Sabbath. This is what he says. Here are some guidelines. How frequent should it be? Frequency. It should be weekly, meaning it should be done every seven-day period because this is God's design for mankind. So it should be every seven-day period. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, whew, there's no way. I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. But think about it. Don't get ahead of me. Seven day, every seven day period. Now, he recommends you should start in the evening if you can. So you can start your sab, time of Sabbath. It starts in the evening. Maybe if you have kids, put your kids to bed. Then you have a few hours. You, and Then it includes sleep. And then you wake up the next day and you, you can begin. Now, some of us have different weeks. For me, I, I'm in ministry. So the first day of my week is actually Sunday. My Sunday is not a Sabbath. It's actually the first day of the week for me to start working. If I try to rest on the Sabbath, it doesn't work. Or, I'm sorry, if I try to rest on the Sunday, it doesn't work. So I have to begin my Sabbath a different day. You see what I'm saying? You can begin your Sabbath based on what your schedule looks like. Some of you work like different jobs and you have different hours and so, you have different days off. Your days off might be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tailor it to what works for you. Now, if you're not in ministry and you have a typical Monday through Friday, nine to five job, here's what you can do. You can actually begin your Sabbath. Think, consider beginning it on like a Saturday night. Saturday night, include church and fellowship at church in your Sabbath and then conclude it on a Sunday evening. Now, if you have kids, there's a problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> and my wife and I talked about this extensively this weekend. Why do I keep bumping that? Um, we talk about this. What do we do? We have like a four-year-old. Like, he's, he's bored every couple minutes. So here's the thing. It's a challenge, right? But... Why not start to talk to him about what it means to observe a Sabbath? Aren't we the first teachers of God's ways to our family? Don't give up. Don't use that as an excuse because I'm tempted to as well. Now, what should the length be? So the frequency should be once a week. The length should be should generally be, now hear that word, generally be 24 hours. Because when the Israelites observed a Sabbath, it was for 24 hours. In fact, Genesis records that God, there is evening and then morning, and God rested. It was a full 24 hour period. Okay? But here's what I want to tell you, and John Mark Comer agrees with this start with where you're at and build off of that. Okay, so for you, it might be that you can only Sabbath for three hours. Because I don't know what your life is like. It might be different. Start at three hours and work towards 24 hours. You see what I'm saying? It's like the couch to 5K, all right? On day one in couch to 5K, you do not just go out and run a 5K because you'd quit. You have to start where you're at and build off of it. So what, what's in a Sabbath, what do I do? Do I just stop and sit in a dark room? Let's look at some substance. Now your Sabbath could include, should include, number one, a time to stop working, wanting, and worrying. Did you hear that? A time to stop working, wanting, and And worrying. Say it with me. Working, wanting, and worrying. See, it's not just a physical Sabbath, it's also an emotional Sabbath. It is a mental Sabbath. Put the phone down. Put the phone down. Get rid of it. Shut it off. Number two, rest your mind, your body, and your spirit. Number three, include in your Sabbath a time to delight in things that you enjoy. Thanking God for these gifts. It could be food, music, reading, walking. I love what John Mark Homer says. He says to pamper yourself with joy. Pamper yourself with joy. Celebrate the goodness of God. Celebrate the goodness of God. Remember what Jesus said about the Sabbath. The man, Sabbath is not, Sabbath is not, or man is not made for Sabbath. Sabbath is made for man. Number four, it should include worshiping God. Okay, tune your heart towards his. I wanna make sure that you understand something about the Sabbath. This is not just a day off to have me time in an unhealthy way. Your Sabbath should not include a day at the Little River Casino on the west side of the state. Your Sabbath should not just be a day of you watching the entire seasons of The Crown on Netflix. You see, those kinds of things, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying that they are like spiritual junk food. And those things, if we're not careful, cannot be true rest. Now, we're going to wrap it up here. And I want to talk to the skeptic or the fearsome. Some of you in here are saying, thank you, thank you for your message, but I'm never, I'm just not going to do that. I just, I can't do that, and I want to challenge you with that, because I think whenever we try to do something, we try to make a change in our life, whether it be running or eating healthy or trying to do something different, take steps towards God, guess what there always is? There's always resistance. There's always resistance, and guess who has the loudest voice with resistance? You do, I do, I can't do it, I can't do it, I just can't, I can't do it, I can't do it, I'm never gonna do this. You know what, that's not you talking, that's not God talking, that's your addiction to hustle and hurry. That's your addiction to hustle and hurry. And if you wanna walk in the ways that God has for you, you need to learn to grasp his rhythm of rest. And that is to slow down, to stop, to cease. Now, we get skeptical also because we feel like this is an Old Testament practice. Why do I need to Sabbath? Jesus is my rest. And while I believe that's true, Jesus is our rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest, those are the words of Jesus. I believe that this is a tangible thing as, as well. It is a physical rest. It is a physical Shabbat, a physical stopping. I love what John Mark Comer says um, when, he, when commenting on people's skepticism. He's saying this to the believer, to the Christian and the non-Christian. Because by the way, Christians and non-Christians rest. They both do. This is what he says, there's no command to not eat concrete, but it is wise to do so. It's simply what he's saying is there's, no, there's nobody telling you, like, don't, eat, don't go outside and eat the concrete that Bob just mixed, you know? But wisdom tells you that I'm not going to eat concrete, right? So wisdom tells you, you need to rest. All right, let's wrap it up. Now, the Sabbath, think about it like a holiday. Think about going on holiday every week. What if you had Christmas every week or your favorite holiday? Think about a holiday 52 times a year. Nobody ever quits Christmas, right? Oh, Christmas is too hard. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not going to do it anymore. Right? We look forward to Christmas, don't we? Or we look forward to our favorite holiday. Act as if it's a holiday with the Lord once a week. So, what is the reward? What is the reward to the Sabbath? Well, here's the truth. When I consider running... If if my reward for running is to run 10 miles right away, then I'm going to fall short. Guess what my reward for running is then? My reward for running is that I finished the run. Now hear that. My reward for running is that I finished the run. Your reward for the Sabbath is that you did it. Your reward is that you were intentional. You made time for it. Make time for it. How many of you ever finished a big project or you finished something or you, you, know, you started walking? You're like, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna start being a little more healthy. And so you say, every day this week, I'm gonna walk... Uh, around the block once. Well, guess what? Every day you are rewarded every time you finish that walk around the block. That's the reward. Do it. So if you set the Sabbath for five hours on a Saturday, then commit to doing that and do it. Here's the goal. Make a plan for this. (coughs) Excuse me. Make a goal and make a plan for doing at least one Sabbath By the time this series is done, which is three weeks, can you do that? I'm not even saying it has to be 24 hours. Could you do it for for a few hours? Maybe spend one hour. Just say one hour. I'm going to stop. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to stop wanting. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to stop working for one hour. And I'm going to Shabbat unto the Lord. Make it intentional. Do everything to the glory of Christ, delighting in his good gifts for you. Now, the truth is today, I I can't control what you do, right? But I can only show you the ways of the Lord and hope that you turn towards him and his ways. <clears throat> I can only show you the rhythm of the father and hope that you start to dance along to that tune in step with him in step with his ways. Because if you're honest with, your, with yourself, the rhythm of the world, the rhythm of restlessness probably isn't working for you, is it? It probably isn't working for you. It's not working for me. In the beauty of the Sabbath, the freedom of the Sabbath, that God wants us to walk in this good gift that he has for us. I think that the Sabbath is truly a foretaste of heaven, of God's eternal rest in communion with him an eternal freedom from wanting, an eternal freedom from worrying, an eternal freedom from working. It's a foretaste of the feast. We get this reward and it comes to us because when we start to practice the habit of stop, of cease, of Shabbat, we get a more meaningful spiritual life, we get into a pattern of delighting in God and communing with him. So as we close today, let us remember to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our life so that we can truly cease from our work and we can celebrate goodness of God would you pray with me father God thank you for the gifts that you give us thank you for the ways that you that you show us that are so much better than ours God thank you for helping to turn us from our restlessness and give us the strength give us the intentionality by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk towards your restfulness. God, sometimes we admi- I admit that we're resistant to this. So Lord, give us strength, give us courage. Give us a heart of repentance today. May there be conversations today that need to be had, that something has to change so that we can walk more towards you. We thank you, Father. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, once again, if you need prayer this morning, if you want to talk to someone this morning, you can come forward. We have an amazing prayer team that will be up here at the front. We'll see you next week for part two of Rhythms of Rest. God bless.